0: You're listening to Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that have been out for about 20 years now. Uh, Today's movie is probably the most confusing movie we've ever ever watched for this show. Get ready to hear about our first David Lynch movie. My goodness, what a choice we made there. Uh, So this is our first David Lynch movie. This is probably his, maybe his most famous movie, uh, aside from Eraserhead. This is uh, Mulholland Drive, and I think um, you know. There's a there's a particular scene in this movie that takes place at the club Silencio. We do not talk about this scene at all during this uh, during this podcast. Uh, also, I'm gonna just mention right here uh, there are spoilers probably throughout the entire podcast, but this is a movie that spoilers really don't matter. So you know, do with that information what you will. Anyway. There is a scene that takes place at the club Silencio, and I'm going to play you a song from that scene, uh, but we're not going to talk about it at all because we forgot because there is so much to talk about in this movie that we did not get around to it. So here is our episode on Mulholland Drive. Maybe our first episode on Mulholland Drive. Maybe there's multiple. Don't know. Uh, this I guess it depends on how far in the future you are listening to this. Here's a song. You're listening to Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the classic show where we talk about movies live. Today, we're going to talk about a um, another movie from a while back. This is, once again, not a new movie, but we'll get back to those soon. There's new movies coming out now. I think we got a new Oscar contender that just came out on Netflix. We'll talk about that eventually. Uh, but today, I don't remember. Did we announce this last time? We're going to talk about a David Lynch movie. Um this movie is Mulholland Drive from 2002. Won him a lot of directing awards. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to say about this. I guess like that's jumping into it way more than I usually do. But uh, Pierre, what do you got to say about Mulholland Drive? What do you think? What do you, What's your initial thoughts on this movie?
1: Just a very different type of movie. Like I've never seen anything like it before. Um, just, yeah, that, that's it. Odd. I, very I interesting. was going to say
0: exactly that. I was going to say exactly that. This movie is unlike anything I have ever seen before. To be honest, I'm not sure I'm qualified to talk about this movie. And I I mean, I've seen it, but like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm qualified. There's so much you could say about this movie. And like, I feel like just watching it once doesn't do it justice.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's just uh, so much to take from it. Especially uh, this is a movie. I mean, this might be common for David Lynch, but this is a movie where, uh, It's not even like, you know how there's movies where the ending is kind of controversial, like Inception, where you're like, you're like, oh, you can interpret how it ended, you know, mostly. Um, This movie, like, it's like every scene is up for interpretation as a whole.
0: Literally the first two minutes of this movie is a dance scene that's shot really strangely. Looks like it's out of like an old public access television channel. And, like, it probably means 40 different things.
1: Yeah, and but it doesn't explain anything to the And audience. it
0: has, And at least obviously, it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. I'm sure that maybe it does somewhere. Like, I'm sure David Lynch could explain it. But, yeah. like, it doesn't obviously tie into anything. I don't even think the people that are dancing are people in the movie.
1: We see a couple people that are in the movie. But even their presence in that scene makes no sense. Right. Uh, there's the remember the old couple at the start? Oh, I'm pretty well, sure they're in that. I think I saw them. Yeah, but they have a very very small role anyway, so. Right. Do you do you want to give us like a short summary, I guess, if you can?
0: I'm going to try, but I will let everybody know that it's probably not going to make any sense. Okay, <laughs> and
1: cool.
0: or I mean, I guess I guess at the very least this my summary will not be complete because I don't think it's possible to summarize this movie. Uh so what happens is at the very beginning, uh, a an actress who... It, it seems like she's kind of a newer actress, but it's not entirely clear. Anyway, a newer actress is uh, being driven in a limo to Mulholland Drive, and when they get there, uh, she, like, she... They don't actually get all the way to the destination they're supposed to get to before... Uh, the limo drive turns sour. Like I think they're like the, the limo drivers are working for the mob or like, and, and I think they get crashed into and someone else tries to shoot her. There's a lot of stuff that goes wrong right away. And she ends up walking away from that accident with amnesia. So later on, she, uh, she just finds a place to stay. And that place that she finds is the apartment of a more veteran actress uh, who's currently away, but her, um, her niece, played by Naomi Watts, who is an aspiring actress, uh, comes to house it for about a month or so, something like that. And so it mostly follows the relationship that builds between these two actresses, as well as a subplot about a Hollywood director who eventually ends up casting one of them in his movie, Probably. Uh, there is a version of the story in which one of them is cast in his movie and the other is not, except that she is in an extra role. Uh, But that version of the movie is not – well, that's a scene in the movie, but it's not 100% clear how real that scene is or what it ties into. Does that make sense? Did I I explain that anywhere close to properly?
1: Uh, Sure. (laughs) Close enough. It's a really Uh, hard movie to describe. I think um, really because I think if you more, try to describe the plot, it is very up, very much up to interpretation.
0: yeah, I think that so this movie has all, all of the individual scenes you can describe the individual scenes and tell what's going on in those, but it's very hard to say for sure how they tie together because one thing about this movie is I don't think that this is a linear narrative at all. Uh, like, even though some scenes seem to come after other scenes, it's not entirely clear that everything happens in the order the movie tells us it does.
1: Uh, yeah. It's almost like the director's, like, the unreliable narrator or something. Yeah. You can't have, trust the a, movie.
0: We have an unreliable director here, which is sort of interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I... I the, the weird thing about this movie is, like, there's so... It's hard to talk about as a regular movie, um, especially, like, after, like, from all the movies we've talked about so far, because this doesn't really have a straightforward, like, narrative at all. Like, not even no. a plot, but, like, a direction, you know? There's so many things in the movie that happen, and, like, they don't really affect the overall movie in literally like any way you know um, yeah it's almost comparable to it it reminded me a bit of like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where it was like in that Tarantino was kind of just having random scenes because he was trying to it was instead of a movie he was it felt like more like he was trying to build a world the world of like Hollywood in that movie at the time right mm-hmm. Um, whereas in this movie it definitely felt like Lynch was just creating like a- an atmosphere uh yeah i was i was gonna audience. say exactly that oh okay cool just to kind of feel you know uh like the very very weird cinematography like uh i told you this earlier it was it, it felt like a soap opera in that it just it felt really poorly shot you know mm-hmm. um, but in like an interesting way you know because they like there were some it was it was just very some very corny stuff of like these really long zoom-ins on a face when something sort of dramatic happens and like the colors felt like it felt like a an older movie you know um because it was made in 2001 right
0: yeah and it it, looks
1: old for 2001 yeah i felt like it was made in the 80s or something because like like to that it was like about almost 20 years ago right but still like spider-man one came out around that time and like like lord of the rings came out at that time you know and those movies like looked really good right and david mm-hmm. lynch isn't like some amateur director this was this was like one of his this was very late in his career when he's already done some amazing stuff so
0: this may be like the highest point of his career actually aside yeah. from maybe twin peaks
1: yeah so i mean there's stuff like that like i i don't know about you but i thought the acting felt very purposely bad in a lot of cases um,
0: it certainly felt purposefully dated in certain places
1: dated and kind of there's like this audition scene that happens where because the main character is an actress and she has to audition for this role where she's flirting with this older gentleman that's actually probably the most like convincing acting in the whole movie mm-hmm. which is very weird like considering that scene has very little effect on the, the narrative as a whole so like yeah like I can't But then, the thing is, like, none of these things make sense. Like, in a regular movie, these things would be bad, you know, because it kind of... He's doing these things almost, like, on purpose. But it actually works, because it really draws you in to, like I said earlier, like, the atmosphere of the whole thing. Everything just seems a little off.
0: Okay, so uh, I I want to sidestep for a minute. What I had... The first question I had going into this movie, literally my first thought when I was watching this movie, is what was this shot on? Because... This movie came out, as you said, in 2001, but it looked like it was shot in, like, 1963. Uh, and that was obviously on purpose, but my first thought is, what did he shoot this on? Because clearly that was, a cho- that was an artistic choice. The camera is not interesting in this case, actually, surprisingly, uh, which is why I'm talking about it, I guess. But <laughs> this was shot on a Panavision Panaflex, uh, platinum camera, which is the same thing that Bruce Almighty was shot on and, like, Bruce Almighty came out in 2003, but that's a very 2003 looking movie like it looks, it's it's really, uh, the, the editing is really over, like, it's overexposed, it just looks like a you know, fun 2003 romp, and this looks like it was shot in 1963. I'm sorry, I've just I had that thought, I had to get it out that is I was just baffled at how this was shot, actually. Anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that, that movie looked, Bruce All, from what I remember, Bruce might Mighty looked fine.
0: It's fine. Uh, so it it looks def- like, it looks normal for the time.
1: Definitely on purpose. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I can't really say, but what, what's fascinating is just like, you just kind of feel uncomfortable the whole time and you're like, mm-hmm. something's up. Yeah. Did, did you talk about like the whole twist ending? Or not twist, but like the ending like, so, uh, How far did you get into that?
0: Uh, I don't think I got too far into that, but I, I think I should say before we talk about that, uh, this movie has a pretty interesting history. Uh, it's it's kind of easy to sum up, so I'll just kind of do that. This movie was originally shot as a pilot for a TV show that David Lynch wanted to uh, pitch to studios, and um, it didn't work out. He, uh, he pitched this to a bunch of studios. Uh, studios did not like it very much. So what he did is he decided, well, we're not we're not going to turn this into a TV show, so let's make it a movie. So he shot, uh, so he had shot most of it already as a TV pilot, and then he shot an ending. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent sure that where we think the ending starts is in fact where the ending starts, but there is certainly a part in the movie that seems like this is this is where we're this is where the pilot part stops. And as of that point, the whole movie really, really changes because characters get renamed, get different backstories. time stops meaning anything, and we see a, and we see a, 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 a cowboy. So like there's a lot of things that happen, yeah. just kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. And it, it makes sense kind of, if you take this movie as a modern art piece and not as a narrative, but it doesn't really make sense in any other sense, kind of. And, um, this is where the, that's where the movie gets, like, a little bit too weird for me to handle in general.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. There was, I mean, like, it, it definitely made it a lot more interesting. For sure. In terms of, like, I was waiting for something to be explained, because uh, there was a lot that was kind of building up to that moment where crazy stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then after it happens, you're kind of left with more questions. Uh, so yeah Which I, is I, I was clearly the point i guess yeah like do, do you want to get into like theories on what happened because i honestly like that's the 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 we kind of have to take the movie in as a whole product you can't really analyze certain parts of it because it's almost like like it not nothing on paper makes sense alone but together it, it kind of does you know as a I movie think-
0: I think that's a good idea. I'm going to tell people. So right now we had originally set out to structure this episode in a certain way. But anyway, when we're talking about this, uh, here's a little insight into our process here. We are going to talk about the directing at some point and the production of this movie, which I guess we kind of did. We're going to talk about the acting, but I think the most important, like the most interesting thing to talk about this movie with this movie is what the heck it's even about, which is what we're going to get into now. So we might as well just get into that because this movie is extremely strange, as I'm sure people know by now since we've said it several times.
1: I just I, I have a really hard time getting into the other stuff without truly getting into this. Um, yeah. But yeah. So what what was your take on the whole the whole movie? I guess <laughs> like, it's not really a scene I can give you to like. Um, specify, I have- but-
0: I had a lot of thoughts on a lot of scenes in this movie. Uh, I'm going to give a general impression now, but I want to go into specific stuff <laughs> later on. Um, so this movie, I kind of got the impression that time doesn't mean anything. Like I kind of thought that this movie happens cyclically because at the end of the movie, we're getting a lot of like at the beginning of the movie, we have three main characters that we're following. We've got the director, Justin Thoreau, We've got uh, the, Hollywood starlet uh what's her name Naomi Watts and we have the amnesiac whose name is Rita and I will look up the actress's name soon uh but anyway we get those and the main story is Justin Thoreau doesn't want to cast uh this person whose name is Camilla who he has never met and um so that's one plot and the other plot is that Naomi Watts and Rita really want to find out who Rita is uh, and so we follow that for like an hour and a half, probably. And then after that hour and a half, uh, something happens and the entire movie shifts and now we're... Li- now we have all the same characters but only Justin Thoreau is the same actual person like with the same name and everything. And Rita and Bet- Betty who are the Naomi Watts and what's her name? Uh, Laura Herring characters. Only they are, uh, they're, they're renamed. They have new names, they have different backstories, they have different characters. And so now the plot is that they have been lovers for a while and uh, Rita, or the character who was Rita, has um, since kind of fallen out of love with Diane, who is now the name of the character that Naomi Watts was playing. And uh, married the director, and they're having a great time. And then that's the plot there. But the thing is, we have key scenes that tie between those plots where they clearly, where those plots clearly cannot happen. One clearly can't be the backstory to another if those characters are in fact the same people. And that's the strangest part to me. So that's where I kind of think like, Time is cyclical and nothing matters because we kind of get a backstory for a lot of the first plot from the second plot, and yet the time the timing doesn't make sense because the first plot um, with the director has to happen before the second one. Uh, that's I'm I'm talking circles around myself. I'm, I'm I need to collect my thoughts. Here. What do you think? What do you think? Oh, good.
1: Uh, so yeah, I thought about it a lot. I did. I did. I, I thought about it a bit after I watched the movie because I literally had no idea. And then I, I watched a couple of videos on YouTube, which made a lot more sense. But I like to think it is mostly... Well, it's it's still very much up to interpretation, even if I think like one theory is more viable than another. Uh, so my initial thoughts were because she... The main character, Naomi Watts, when she goes... When she hires... She hires someone... It looks like she's hiring someone to kill uh this this girl that she's jealous of. Yeah. Um my I initially thought that in, instead of killing her, it was like a portal, like they she was actually she was actually buying like the blue box that would kind of teleport her consciousness to a different reality where she could be happier. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and like the reason because there was a lot of uh a setting up of there was a diner in the movie i can't remember what it's called but right a lot of
0: had a name but yeah it, it was
1: named i think it might have had two names I, i'm not sure if it kept the same name but there was a diner and a lot of kind of dream breaking stuff happened in that diner specifically mm-hmm. with uh they they show that there's an evil old ugly like creature i want to say i guess it was a person um hiding kind of in the alleyway behind the diner and then uh and then stuff like like there was a waitress there who gets different name tags based off of like other people that exist um like she had conveniently placed name tags um and then and that's also where she did the deal for with the person um i assume there was almost like a nexus a world nexus and that the box she bought a box that would from that place that would kind of help her transport to this this ideal world where like she didn't end up uh breaking up with that girl and she kind of got a fresh start. Um, see that was my initial theory. There were lots of cracks in that though, the more I thought about it. But I, I actually really like that one. Um, and then I saw this one online that was saying there were lots of things in the movie that related to uh, a dream state. Um so like like the like, there, there was a lot of, like, dream psychology there. Like, the people you see in real life, even you might, you might use the idea of them in, their, in your dream, even though they're not the same person. Uh, kind of some, some lapses in, uh, in clarity in certain things. Some, some things are very, like, some, some very odd things happen uh, that are coincidental. Uh, the main character, a lot of good things kind of happen for her in, like, a, her own weird way. Uh, that make that make her look good compared to others, um, especially showing that in contrast to her uh, quote unquote real life in, outside of the dream, where she is a very spiteful, jealous person that has not really connected to any success in her life. So the dream was like uh, her way of a reimagining the world in this possible future, like not future, but like this possible vision of what could have happened to her that she like her fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that would explain stuff like the weird the weird side plots you know because in a dream like sometimes stuff happens for no reason yeah uh the weird reoccurrence of characters that don't really relate to each other uh and and the weird acting and stuff like that so i, I that one makes more sense but i don't like it as much mm. there you go did you uh gather your thoughts for the for yours
0: yeah i mean i don't know that i had a real interpretation of what was happening here. So I, I like elements of both of those. I think that the dream one, I kind of like the dream one. If it, if, if the, the one that you just said, if that were the explicit plot, like where that that was explained, then sure. I like that one, but Mm -hmm. since it isn't and it's open to interpretation and there's so many other options, I think that somewhere there's a better option.
1: Um, yeah, maybe. I, and I'm not going to lie, the dream thing does feel kind of lame to explain it as that. Yeah, I want to believe there's lame, more to it. But
0: you know? it does, like, it, it, it explains enough away because in a dream, you can just say things happen. But that also seems kind of lazy. And, like, there's no laziness in this movie. Yeah, I guess uh we didn't explain what the blue box is.
1: It- I didn't really know. I thought it was kind of the portal. It reminds me, it might be subconscious, but it reminds me of the Tesseract from the Avengers. Of like this blue thing that kind of like a portal between time and space. Um, so I kind of saw it as that because when she opens it, it it everything unravels, and I so I thought for me that was kind of like the key to it all. Well, and like I said, at
0: cer- at a certain point in this movie, uh, the plot completely changes and characters change, etc. It's at the point when she opens that box. That's what happens. Yeah, opens that box and everything changes.
1: I yeah, that's that's kind of how I saw it. I don't know if if there's a maybe there's a, a significance David Lynch found to like the color blue or like a blue box specifically and like maybe mythology or something. But well, I mean maybe
0: Pandora's box. That's the only box in mythology I can think of. But what is
1: that? Like, I've heard of it. I can't remember what it does though, or so what it's for.
0: When Pandora opened Pandora's box. It uh, released all the evil into the world, but that seems a little strange for this one because, sure, it changed the world. I guess in the world of the movie, but it didn't really make it. It didn't really make it a worse place or any different. It just it or any different in any like moral way. It just sort of changed the events that were happening.
1: Yeah, that's true. It didn't really. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. Sorry, <laughs> I was yeah. gonna go somewhere with that, but I really don't know how to.
0: Yeah, this movie, man. I I don't know. I don't really know what else to say.
1: Just go with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I... this is actually. I I thought when I first came into this, I was like, "There's gonna be so much to say," but it's just so hard to talk about because, like, it's just it's
0: hard like... to even interpret.
1: Yeah. Right. Um. Did I... you want to? I I'd love to talk about like like other movies, like this idea of art film. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably the biggest because I've seen some short films that kind of deal with this aspect of like it's more of a feeling rather than like an actual plot like or a narratively structured movie mm-hmm. um, but I've never seen something that's almost two hours long well not even almost
0: this is two and a half hours long
1: yeah that's like this um, again the only one I maybe compare it to is uh, once upon a time in hollywood because it it's def- that movie i don't think was structured as a movie either but but with once upon a time in hollywood
0: it's all linear at least the events that are happening in once upon a time in hollywood are happening one after the other
1: so yeah it's, sort it's of... not open to interpretation at all
0: yeah it's very clear what's happening this movie is the opposite of that
1: so i mean uh like have, have you seen any other movies that like are like this
0: Okay, so in regards to other movies like this, the only movie I can think of that I've seen that's anything like this, really, is Eraserhead. But even Eraserhead, like, I know you brought up uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood earlier, and with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah, it's not structured as maybe one narrative movie, but at least everything is linear, and that's kind of similar for Eraserhead. There's a lot of scenes that are very dreamlike or surreal or, you know, maybe don't even make sense in context, But there's also clearly one uh, time makes sense, which in this movie, uh, in Mulholland Drive, I did not get that impression. Like, I didn't get the impression that the scenes were happening in the order they actually happened. Wherein, uh, but I also didn't see any evidence to tell me what order those scenes happened in. Wherein Eraserhead, at the very least, all of the scenes that are happening are in the order they're supposed to happen in. Uh, so I, I mean, I liked this movie a lot more than Eraserhead, but I mean, that's, that's the main difference there is Eraserhead. There's an easy reading of it. There's lots of more interesting readings, but with Mulholland Drive, I don't even think there is an easy, yeah, I guess in, you can't see me, but that was air quotes. Uh, (laughs) there's, there's no easy reading of Mulholland Drive. I didn't think.
1: Yeah. I, which I like, I don't think many movies really challenge the uh mm-hmm. the audience this much um especially because like well i don't know how much do you, do you know how much money this made
0: i'm gonna assume it was profitable but i okay. don't know let me but, find
1: it yeah I, I will say like i doubt for most people watching that this would be a, a very enjoyable experience um just because of how abstract it is uh i am wait did you find out
0: yeah, it's uh this movie made 20 20.1 $20. million dollars on a
1: 15 million dollar budget. Okay, yeah, so not not profitable. It's um, it's profitable, but like, well, well, well you goes. have to keep in mind the 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 the, but the money they make is kind of cut in half usually, um because a movie the theater takes a, a cut from it too. Right. So, and then you also so, they yeah.
0: I'm going to say this is not a movie that, as an advertiser, I wouldn't have advertised this movie very much because I no. wouldn't have thought anyone would want to see it. So maybe the advertising budget wasn't too much. So it's not impossible that it was a very tiny, tiny profit. But no, it was not profitable.
1: No. Um, so yeah, that, that makes sense. But uh, I, I, I am interested in this idea of... Because on paper, someone could say this is just a lazy movie, right? Like, this whole idea of the the director doesn't have to explain everything and it's like it makes it's good because it doesn't make sense you know like mm-hmm. there's a very fine line to balance on there because it could easily just come off come off as extremely pretentious and just be like you don't understand it well like it's because you're dumb you know or like this movie wasn't meant for you but or 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 also that like the director was just being lazy and he's just like uh I'll let the audience decide. Cause I don't want to really give a narrative, you know?
0: Yeah. And, I, uh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Well, it's just like, how, how did David Lynch, how do you think he managed to make this movie? Like for me, it was simultaneously like each scene was engaging, even though everything about it individually was bad. Well, in my opinion, think, for some of these scenes,
0: I think that the, I think the way David Lynch did it is I haven't seen Twin Peaks yet, but uh, I'm going to say the first, one of my biggest takeaways from this movie is I have to watch Twin Peaks. Uh, but anyway, um, I think that considering he, I think we, I think it's really important to take into consideration that he originally wanted this be a television show uh, because even though this movie starts and ends with this movie, it never became a television show. So like, it's not worth, necessarily considering the additional plot that could have come out of that at the same time because he envisioned it as a as a tv show uh i think that's kind of why all these scenes are individually engaging is because there is an entire world here that he knows and he's subtly building in the background and like when you're seeing a scene you don't necessarily know what's happening in the background but you know that david lynch does and because of that you know he's able to communicate these whatever he's trying to do in these scenes so effectively because he doesn't have to guide you to where he thinks you should be he just has to tell you what he wants to say if that makes sense and i think that that's i think that's why all of these scenes or all of these plot lines and all these scenes work individually at least to some degree
1: because of the the care he put into it i guess well
0: because like, he the knows level of what detail. He's doing. Yeah. And I think it's so I, I took a class a long time ago where the uh, the professor stressed that there's a difference between just like between narratives that just tell you what's happening. And there's only one uh, interpretation and narratives that like tell you the same amount of information, but you can interpret it a bunch of different ways. And I think that um, what's happening here is David Lynch is like he's foregoing that Um, that single interpretation of his work to like show you scenes where there could be infinitely many things going on. And he's just not telling you what exactly it is. And it's not laziness on his part because he has an idea, but he's leaving so many options open that you can interpret it where laziness would be, Oh, he knows what's happening, but he's only going to show you the part that he thinks
1: you want to see. Oh, I see. Yeah, so it's, it's like it takes more effort to add these things for more interpretation.
0: He's giving you scenes from a world instead of scenes from a story.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. I see what you mean. Cool, I actually really like that. That's a good way of explaining it, kind of uh, making it right. And um, I, would,
0: I would really be interested in seeing how this movie, like I want to live in the alternate universe where this movie did become a TV show because – I'd be interested in seeing where everything goes. Like, is it just as hard to interpret it as a TV show? Or are there certain things that make more sense? Do we understand yeah. these characters are? Because I just realized as I was looking up this show as we were talking about it, the character of Camilla Rhodes, uh, who's played by the person that I just said, uh, what's her name? Laura, ha- Laura Herring. Mm-hmm. Camilla Rhodes is also played by a different character, Melissa, uh, by a different actress, Melissa George, because that is two separate characters, and they just sort of get morphed into one person later on. Yeah. Uh, and it's never clear exactly where that happens, because even though Camilla Rhodes is played by Melissa George the first time she appears, the first time we see Camilla Rhodes in her, uh, a- in her actress headshot, it's, it's Laura Herring. You know, that's just kind of there. Gosh, I don't remember where I was going with that, but, but there's there's lots of interesting stuff in this movie that just sort of isn't explained, but isn't explained not in a way, in, in most cases, I guess that's one you could certainly interpret as lazy, but in most cases, it's not that it's not explained because it's lazy, it's just that it's not explained because the audience can kind of figure it out for, itse- for themselves, I guess. Uh,
1: that's true. It does It does put a huge <laughs> ton of trust in the audience yeah to, to want to think about it you know Exa- yeah which may be like a, a, a problem but i i really like that personally
0: i did as i was looking this up uh one of the first things that comes up when you google mulholland drive is if you like movies that make sense mulholland drive isn't for you a review by Nell Minow.
1: <laughs> yeah there you go which answered, yeah, that
0: this movie up probably better than anything I could ever say.
1: Yeah. Lastly, um, well, did you have anything to talk about, like the any like any scenes in particular that you wanted to talk about? A little bit. I think um, there's there's a lot. Like you could you could honestly
0: have an hour long podcast on any individual scene in this movie. I think. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the part that resonated with me the most, and maybe it's just because it was the most interpretable of the entire plot was the subplot with Justin Thoreau's director character uh, where he was just told you know cast Camilla Rhodes and so his entire character arc is, or not character arc but his entire plot is I don't want to cast Camilla Rhodes how can I avoid doing that and everything in his life tells him to cast Camilla Rhodes um, so you know and and his story is very linear because his story is the only one that I don't know if it's entirely true, but if you just take the scenes that he's in and put them in order, they make sense as a linear story. I don't know if they're intended as a linear story, but unlike every other character in this movie, they would at least sort of fit that. Anyway, uh, he has a couple of very good scenes. In particular, he's the he's the character where we are... Um, in his, it's in his story... That were introduced to the character of the cowboy, which is this mystical character that just kind of comes out of nowhere and like imparts wisdom on people. It's really strange. Uh, he's not technically that strange a character because he's really just a lot of characters in this movie are just stereotypes, and he's the stereotype of the. Oh, what's the call? Co- I I think the, I think the stereotype is actually just called the magic old Black man, except he's not <laughs> a magic old black man. He's just a magic yeah. old cowboy. Yeah. He's, just a, he's just a mentor character that comes out of nowhere, tells our main character something important, and then disappears into nothing. And he embodies that entirely in this. Uh, Justin Thoreau is told to go to a ranch to meet a cowboy for some reason, and he goes to this ranch. The cowboy comes out of nowhere tells him that if he knows what he's doing he's gonna cast camilla rhodes and if he does well he'll see him again and if he does badly he'll see him again twice and then he disappears and later on the cowboy comes back at particularly strange points like he'll just come out of nowhere and like say something and then something magical will happen like after (laughs) the uh after the scene that we talked about with the blue box, where the entire plot changes, kind of. The first thing you see is the cowboy come into a room, talk to a dead body, and then the dead body turns alive, and we're presumably back in time, but maybe not, depending on how you decide to interpret this movie. And the body yeah, is alive now.
1: I, I uh, like okay. Talking about the cowboy, I feel like the cowboy is again like he's supposed to represent some kind of myth mythological thing or maybe religious figure or something. Uh, cause it's just such a odd person to bring in that I don't co- comes oh, in ahead. at like the, at the most important times, you know, or sometimes.
0: I, I really like the interpretation of this movie where a lot of the characters are just old Hollywood stereotypes. Mm. Uh, And in that interpretation, the cowboy fits beautifully into that mystical mentor role where he comes out at important times and does something. And like this is a this is a role that you see a lot in Hollywood movies, but like almost never quite to that degree. Just that in Mulholland Drive, David Lynch is casting him with that intention and therefore like brings him in way, brings it in way harder and just lays it on thick. So, like, if you've ever seen, did you say you've seen Bruce Almighty? Because I know we mentioned it.
1: I have, I've seen scenes of it.
0: Okay, uh, but you you know that Morgan Freeman plays God in that movie.
1: Yes, I do.
0: Morgan Freeman's character of God in Bruce Almighty is basically just this mystical old black man character that's kind of a stereotype in Hollywood movies. He, He basically exists to impart wisdom at key moments, uh, whenever that happens to be, he's a Deus Ex Machina, but like he's just like an old dude who he's not a Deus Ex Machina for like he comes out of nowhere and he defeats the bad guy. He's like whenever the hero is going through some some rough stuff, uh, here comes the mystical old black man to give him some give him some wisdom, and that's kind of what Morgan Freeman's character is in that movie. And this is a stereotype that exists in Hollywood and just like sort of it. It's in a lot of movies, but then the cowboy is kind of this stereotype, but written knowingly as that so that he just like comes out of nowhere and does magic completely unwarranted. Like he doesn't ever make sense whenever he's there. Like it makes no sense for a cowboy to be in any of the situations he's ever in. And he just comes out of nowhere, says something that's, honestly, usually pretty insane, and then disappears. And like, I like the interpretation of this movie where this movie is just sort of written as, so there's an interpretation of this movie and I'm going to interpret the the interpretation here is where this movie is just kind of a dream, but it's not the dream of any particular person. It's the dream of Hollywood where all of these characters are stereotypes and they exist as stereotypes and interact as stereotypes. So they don't make sense as people because they're not people. They're just sort of ideas of people. So we have the character of Betty, who's this Hollywood starlet. And then later on, she's Diane, who is a spurned Hollywood starlet, who, you know, didn't, didn't make it. And then we've got Rita, who is, um, probably a great actress but she's been but but she's acting a role from the very beginning and then halfway through she doesn't have to act the role anymore so she's just the actress and then we have this hollywood director who you know he's an artist first and therefore he wants to do his art but then halfway through he has to compromise in order to continue on in hollywood but in the end it turns out well for him so i really like the way so I like the interpretation of this movie where everyone is more an idea than a character. Um, And I think that the cowboy uh, to bring everything full circle, I guess is sort of the um, most blatant of any of those where the, the idea that the cowboy represents is inherently nonsensical where everyone else like could be real but like the cowboy is overplaying a certain stereotype so much that it actually, but he actually makes no sense to be there. He is in by
1: Yeah. I, I actually really like that. Um, it does explain a lot of what, why the characters act in the way they do as well. So uh, yeah, that, that would be really nice. Um, and the, I like uh, cause every time you're right, every time the character, it's not even like the cowboy says like a weird thing. It's just, Something about the dialogue just feels so like out of this world, you know, like, uh, like, like, I guess like, like God in a way, you know, like he yeah. is so far above everything that's happening. Um, yeah, I, I love I do love the the cowboy um, just that that as that sort of presence, it, it's almost like the linking presence throughout that kind of brings it together in a really weird way, even though he's barely in it.
0: Yeah. Um, and I like the fact that the linking presence here is such an absurd character. Like it's not God. It's not some imposing dude. It's a cowboy. Who's actually like the way that he's, his costume is meant to be as ridiculous as possible.
1: Yeah. But either way, it's like, like it's not about the cost. It's, it almost makes it better. Cause it's like the cost, like what he's wearing, literally has nothing to do with who he is, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah any 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 other scenes
0: that's really the biggest one I wanted to talk about. is just uh mostly mostly just the cowboy, but the fact oh, okay, that cool. um, yeah the fact that justin Thoreau his character and his narrative is kind of the sanity check of this movie because at the very least it all happens in a way that kind of could make sense where you don't have to interpret very much it's the only part of the movie where you don't have to interpret very much into it, obviously yeah. you certainly can, but like. If you want to turn your brain off for this movie, don't watch this movie. But if you did, then like that's that's the part that you can understand maybe, <laughs> and you'll misinterpret it. But still, yeah.
1: and if you can find a part of this movie that makes a lot of sense to you or makes more sense to you, that's that's very good. Yeah. So yeah, look out for those. Um, then okay, then I I do want to talk about one more scene. Okay. I I, I guess the. The scene with the direct when she auditions, um,
0: the casting, and
1: the casting scene, yeah, and she is put in this place where it's like a two minute long scene where she she's acting out a scene where she, she basically falls in love with her father's best friend, I think it was, I and think so, yeah, it's like a two minute shot that doesn't look away where they it's an audition and they are ex- like uncomfortably intimate in front of like a room of people that they don't seem to care about, you know? And I thought like, did you have any thoughts on that? It felt so out of nowhere. And like, it was just so weird to watch, you know?
0: Well, I thought she should get the part. Cause that was ridiculously good acting.
1: In that <laughs> it team. was really good acting, but also it felt so creepy, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, it was like, it was, yeah, even though it was like, they were acting like they were really physical with each other. And like the dude was like, like I don't know how legit auditions are, but like he was like touching her ass and stuff, and like it was getting very hot and heavy. Yeah, I just I don't that that was one of those scenes. It's it was another one of those scenes where like something just kind of happens, and it's very uncomfortable. Like the the scene at the start where he goes around the alley and he sees that crazy creature in the alleyway behind mm-hmm. the the restaurant, and it, it doesn't really mean anything, but it's just it's just really hard to watch, you know.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, um, I mean, I guess that's the thing. Does it really mean anything? Because it probably does, and it's definitely. I'm, I'm certain that that scene is somehow a commentary on casting in Hollywood. But I have no idea what casting in Hollywood is like, so I have no idea how to interpret that scene properly, anyway.
1: But yeah, like, I, I, I guess I never thought of it that is. way. That's a good point. Just uh because uh, I, I kind of. In- I kind of might've seen it as like, that's her vision of herself as an actress, you know, like she's not mm-hmm. good. Um, but the, the particular content of, of the audition, like kind of made, kind of leads me to believe, like, especially cause it was like basically mostly a room of like uh, older white men. Um, Incorrect. That's...
0: There were two old white men in that there were four oh. old white ladies.
1: Were there? Oh, never mind then. Um, but it, it felt uh, like, Like, yeah, you might be right in that she was, that's what you have to, like, that's the kind of, like, you have to play up the sexiness way more to, uh, to appeal to that crowd, you know?
0: Yeah, it was very, like, I don't know if it was entirely exploitative, but, like, it felt, it felt like that shouldn't be the, on the one hand, it felt like that shouldn't be the audition scene, because that is, that feels like way too intimate a scene to be okay for the audition scene. But on the other hand, she did a really good job acting that out. So like, yeah. I, I see why. Yeah. Because, you know, if it's just two people yelling at each other across the room, you know, you don't get as good a performance just inherently, because how can you?
1: Uh, well, yeah, you can't as much. Yeah. Uh. Um.
0: Actually, when you said the, when you said the casting scene, though, I did think of one other scene. Uh, and I don't know that I have as much to say about it but it was the scene with the director where it's just after he's met the cowboy and the cowboy has told him you have two options. Now you can either cast Camilla Rhodes and I really, really think you should, or you can cast someone else. Now, if you do good, you'll see me one more time. And if you do bad, you'll see me two more times. And then like the cowboy disappears into the night. And then later on the next day, uh, the director is casting his lead, his leading lady, and this is a scene where um, Naomi Watts's character comes up for the audition as well. Uh, she never actually ma- gets the uh, gets the chance to audition because she runs out of time and has to leave. But when Camilla Rhodes comes up, he says the words which he's been told to say: "This is it. This is the girl." And he says it really unenthusiastically, like he's kind of protesting that choice as he's making it. But what I thought was really fun, or well, not fun, but what I thought was really interesting about that scene is, it's as he's saying that, that coincidentally, Naomi Watts's character has to leave and runs out. So he says that, looks behind him, and there's Naomi Watts running off. So even though Naomi Watts would not have had the chance to audition for that scene anyway, it comes across as if, like he's getting immediate consequences of his actions. Like, Oh, because you picked her, you've done the right thing, or at least you've done the thing that's not going to get you in trouble. However, you lost out on the perfect role, which he doesn't know. Maybe he didn't. However, that's exactly what it looks like because she runs out at that exact second, even though she would never have had the opportunity to audition anyway, which I thought was just a really, really clever bit of uh, plotting there.
1: Yeah, that scene was curious. The I I actually thought she w- she ended up auditioning and he acts he accidentally chose her uh instead of Camilla Rhodes cuz uh the Camilla
0: Rhodes in that scene did kind of look a little bit like Naomi Watts.
1: Right? Yeah. So, I mean, that that might have been part like that was I actually that was probably definitely on purpose.
0: <laughs> uh
1: but I I don't know. I I that it was confusing um According to, like, the dream theory that I I kind of think makes sense, it it kind of represents, like, Camilla Rhodes only got the scene because of, like, some creating or mafia uh, deal with the director um, and not based off of talent, which kind of, like, mitigates her from any sort of self-blame, you know?
0: Yeah, Uh, well, I feel like that's kind of what's implied anyway, because... He said it with such no non enthusiasm.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that that's how I saw it. I that that's the, that's the thing. That's the, that's one of those scenes where I find it really hard to not accept it's a dream because that fits so perfectly. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I just to wrap it up. Like I I guess I will say I thought this was a movie that I could talk infinitely about. Uh, but the more I, honestly this this movie the more I talk about it and the more I think about it the less it makes sense to me which is extremely confusing for me to like discuss so yeah but overall like as a as a movie I, I think I give it like maybe a nine out of 10 just because of how purely interesting it was but I, I just don't know if I can rate it if that even makes sense because the rating scale I usually would use to rate movies kind of goes out the window with this um, because yeah yeah especially because the, the most the most important to me, thing to me usually is narrative and plot structure and say that, does not have that at all
0: yeah I would agree with you on a technical level I think on a technical and artistic level absolutely nine out of ten maybe higher on on ter- in terms of enjoyment which is usually what my scale is based on five like i don't i didn't like this movie is good and i accept it and understand that it's good i would like to watch this movie again and talk about it at length on the other hand this movie is super weird and i honestly can't recommend it
1: damn okay (laughs) that's crazy i i did not see that coming oh my god uh i guess i guess i'm surprised in just terms of like because he sounded really interested i was really while you were talking about it
0: yeah, and, uh, like, that that's the thing, is, like, I, I think if ever there was a movie that we were going to d- dedicate two full episodes to on this podcast, and we won't, at least not immediately, this is the movie. I want to talk about this movie a lot more. But, like, I don't, I barely understood this movie, and, like, I think I'm exaggerating there. And also, I have a hard time even knowing how to recommend this movie to people. Like this was not a movie that I enjoyed that much. I thought it was really interesting and watching it. I'm glad I did. And I, like I said, I will watch this movie again, probably several times to try and figure out what the heck it's about. But I couldn't in good conscience tell basically anyone except maybe three or four of my closest friends, this is a movie you should watch because I don't think I would believe that.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I, I actually literally don't know who I would recommend it to. Yeah. Um, I uh, This this feels very much uh, a, a movie for movie fans only. Absolutely. Because then, like, you might, you might get enjoyment from it just because of how different it is from the average movie, if you've seen so many. As I, and, as uh, I said yeah. at the beginning,
0: and as you said, this is a movie unlike anything I've ever seen before. And I think that it's, it's worth seeing for movie fans, like for people that are really into movies, you need to have seen this movie on that merit alone, because this movie is just so interesting in how different it is from anything else I've ever seen that like it single-handedly justifies why David Lynch is as huge and as important a director as he is.
1: Yeah, I agree very much. So, so, but yeah, uh, general person like i would not watch this with my family or (laughs) my friends
0: yeah (laughs) i don't think that i think it would just be a bad time like i don't know i don't know who would enjoy this movie that i know and that's not saying it's bad that's saying this is a really strange movie
1: yeah um yeah i I, I I will i will movie we've ever talked about i will appreciate watching it uh if it definitely because it is like a pretty noteworthy movie i feel like it was nice to have seen it, you know, I, it's like almost like checking off a list and uh, a section of like movie history, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, very interesting, uh, enough, enough said on my part.
0: And a great performance by Naomi Watts and Justin Thoreau and, uh, Morty Mortensen or whatever his name is. The guy that played the cowboy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Who's in it for like, what, like maybe a minute of screen time. <laughs>
0: I I think he's in I it. Think, for,
1: right?
0: I, I think he's in it for a full three.
1: Oh, is it more? Okay, yeah.
0: it's not much more.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: What is his name? Marty Martinson. It's it's something very silly. Monty Montgomery. That's his name. There you name. go. Nice. Well, uh, uh, the last thing I wanted to say about this movie is Billy Ray Cyrus is in this movie. Uh, oh yeah. Not to say about that, but he's here. He sure is there. There you go. <laughs> uh, and I thought he was really entertaining in this movie. He plays uh, the guy that um what's his name that Justin Thoreau's wife is cheating on him with. and like, in general, he's a really he's a really good dude. Like he just seems like a generally good person who also happens to be the person that his wife is cheating on him with
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah that that's really it. like it was a cool cameo
0: the first thing he says is like, you know what? He's probably upset. Like, don't give him too much. Don't give him too much shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, there's parts of this movie that we haven't even talked that we haven't even touched on that we could go into for that. We could go into for like two hours on their own. So like I said, if ever we do do a second episode on a single movie, I think it's this one. Um, But anyway, there's a lot to say. Like, I think essays have been written on this movie. It's a lot. There's, there's a lot to this movie
1: yeah for sure and uh it's like overwhelming to think about so best left simply yeah for Uh, now
0: so anyway i think the next movie we're going to talk about is going to be something very simple to talk about that's only going to take like eight hours of research on our parts
1: and it's apocalypse now
0: (laughs) yeah that's the next one get ready for that we're going to take on apocalypse now part of our deep dive series all right we'll see you now